Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Heavenly Places. I'm your host, Shamir, here along with Dorothy. Um, I'm glad everyone tuned tuned in this evening. Let's let's start off with uh, opening up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. We thank you for your salvation, Father. Um, thank you for forgiveness of our sins, Father. Help us, Father Lord, to desire you, Father Lord, to seek you more, to trust in you and depend on you and, and just be in your word, Father, especially during these times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, well, I'd like to thank everyone again for tuning in this evening, whether you're whether you're listening to it now or later, you know, no matter when you're listening to it, the word of, of our Father God, you know, it is always true. Um, and this evening we're talking about uh, putting on the armor of God. And actually we're also going to talk about uh, uh, taking off the armor of God, um, which we probably don't really want to do, but taking the ways that you can ways that that, uh, the armor of God may be taken off, you know. Um, And one of the very familiar popular scriptures, uh, actually it's really one of the only scriptures that talks about the armor of God is a very famous of Ephesians chapter 6. And I will begin in verse 10, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 18. But it's Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10 through 18. It says, uh, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done in all to stand. Verse 14. This is where it's beginning to talk about the uh, armor of God. Um, stand, therefore, having your loins girt with truth, or the belt of truth, and having on the breastplate, excuse me, or having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and a sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Okay, so here we have um, we have different parts of the, the armor of God, which I'm sure many of you are very familiar with, the battle truth. Breastplate of righteousness, shoes which is gospel of peace. We have the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and sword of the spirit. 
Now, <clears throat> we should always want to uh, keep these on at all times. We should uh, never resent, never want to take these things off. And uh, actually, one thing that is very interesting is uh, there are a lot of teachings where, oh, no, did I delete it? I removed it. I must have deleted it, but it's, uh, I believe it's an Isaiah. Hold on, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, yes, Isaiah 59, and um, I believe it, it starts in verse 17. Um, and actually, I might start in verse 6. Maybe I might start in verse 15. Anyway, this Isaiah, you know, the the armor of God, how Paul talks about it, is really not the first time it's actually mentioned in Scripture. A lot of times, if you look at many of the commentaries and all that, and which is uh, they will make reference to uh, a Roman soldier, because Paul would mention a lot of those things that Roman soldiers, they would, you know, of course, wear a helmet, and they would have a, a breastplate and a sword and shoes and all these types of things in the belt and all those types of things that they would have and wear. But uh, also, in Isaiah 59, it also talks about the armor. It doesn't mention all those exact pieces, but if you uh, want to ever look at it, it's in Isaiah 59, and I'll start in verse 15. Truth is nowhere to be found, so whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to enter. So his own, so his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. And he put on righteousness as his breast, as his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. Um, and I'll stop right there, but it it goes on, it goes on, but it doesn't mention really any of the other weapons, but, uh, I believe also Paul might have been referencing this right here, this Isaiah 59, and it's talking about our father got actually equipping himself because he was looking around and he, there was nobody to intervene or nobody to help. So he said, I had, I had to go down here and do it himself. It's almost like that scripture in Romans where, uh, Father God says that since there was no one greater for him to swear by that he swore by himself. Um, that's what it, it says in uh, Romans. But I, I just wanted to mention that about the armor of God. That way you have two different scriptures, that Ephesians chapter 6 and also that Isaiah chapter 59 that talks about the armor of God. And we we think about the armor of God um one thing that we have to um, really realize is that, that we are in a spiritual war. Um, that this war, it does not stop. It does not relent. There are no uh, coffee breaks. You don't get a lunch hour. Um, I mean, of course, you can. there's times where you drink and, and you sleep and all those types of things. But 
the world that we're in, it's almost like we are in, uh, I thought about some of the wars that we had, like World War One or World War Two. like the people that were on the front line, you know, of course they had the times, if you've seen any of the movies, there were times where they were playing chess. There were times where they were like kind of sitting around joking or, and that was just mainly so they can clear their mind about what was actually going on because at any any minute they would be knocking over that chessboard or putting the pieces away or it, they might not even have a chance to put the pieces away. They probably would, would just went straight for their weapon, you know, um, and and to the battle. So we we have to, to think about the spiritual war as if we are like on some type of trench, as if we are in some type of front line. Or even like many of the modern day wars where, you know, where they have like the trench warfare and all that, they have a more, I guess, what they call a guerrilla type warfare or special units warfare when they, when you send in a select group of people and it's still war, but you're doing, you're operating with different intelligences and and you, or you're not like dug in like a trunch, like this side and that side. Even though there is a trunch, there is sides. You're either on Father God's side or you're you are on the enemy side. Um, and more than likely, if you're on the enemy side, most of the people that's on the enemy side they don't realize it, and they're actually prisoners. There's some people who are very much intensely want to be on that side, and they do it on purpose, you know. But there's, there's a lot of people who are misinformed, misdirected. Um, and some people believe they're doing the right thing, but they're actually just deceived. And there's some people just straight up prisoners in bondage. They don't know which way to go. They don't know which way to look, and they are just in bondage. And those are the ones that we are trying to help get delivered, those the ones who are you trying to free. And one of the things that's confusing, and, and uh, even this Ephesians kind of highlights the dimension that it says, uh, Verse 12, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Um, and a lot of times in, in his warfare, things are the spiritual world, world. The spiritual world is so connected to the natural world that we often, and it's easy, you know, because we, when, especially when you're operating in the flesh, and, and even if you're not operating in the flesh, it's very easy to get confused and then you start taking this word and this, this spiritual word on a wrong target. So you actually maybe targeting your friends, your family, your loved ones, you know, your neighbor, your coworkers, you know, you're targeting them. But the key to remember is Ephesians 6, 12 says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness is in the high places. And I'm not saying that people at your job or family, when they say things that are offensive or wrong or things that hurt you, that they're not saying that on their own. But it can be situations where the enemy is actually using using them and they don't realize it to say or do those things. Like even we see uh, in a Bible where, where uh, Peter told Jesus, Peter told Jesus, hey, that he don't have to go to the cross. Don't do that, basically. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And that was an example right there, a spiritual war. Uh, Jesus, he saw the the, uh, the spirit behind the words, you know. He, it was basically Satan 
in a way influencing Peter. Not saying that Peter was possessed, but he was maybe influenced by his own heart and own selfishness. But Jesus was there for a purpose, and that's an example right there of um, Jesus not dealing with with, with flesh and blood, but um, he's dealing straight with the principalities and powers and the rulers. He's going straight targeting the enemy, and he said, "Give me." Jaime Satan and I'm not saying you have to say that to you, your friends and family local you know because that will <laughs> that might make it kind of worse you know depending on the situation sometimes they you might have to do that and say that but I wouldn't recommend that um, in general you you saying that out loud to, some, to someone because when Jesus said that to Peter uh, actually Jesus was training Peter um, to recognize those type the things and situations and Peter would come to the realization I understand that maybe then he realized it or maybe sometime later he realized it but he was actually one of the apostles and disciples so Jesus wanted him to know that way he can be aware of it but a lot of times we're dealing with people who who are confused and deceived and that for them might make it worse so you might want to take a different different approach with that, but that was just—I would just wanted to say—that was an example of uh, the the spiritual war that we're in. It could be something where we're in a battle with our bosses, and we wonder why our boss is treating us this way, or we wonder why our friend or our neighbor is treating us this us this way. Why does why is the uh, waitress? I mean, I guess we can't really have a waitress these days. But if if we have someone who's serving us, why are they treating us this way? A lot of times. It's the enemy trying to see what buttons he can push to that person actually to attack you in some way, form, or fashion. And the battle, a lot of times, is with words. <laughs> you know, even though Paul was saying in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, hey, you need to put on this shield of faith, you need to put on these shoes of peace and the helmet of salvation and a, and a belt of truth and all these kind of things, but those are just figure, figurative things. Now, in the spiritual realm, we have, we have, we do have those, and we do use those. Um, but in a natural, it it manifests, it manifests or reveals itself through through uh, different words that we speak, different words that we say. Um, through through that through that through that thing, for example, um, if someone is coming at you and, and condemning you and attacking you, you use you can use the word of God at that person. You know, you can you don't have to say quote word for word or scripture for scripture, but they can be spewing out hate at you and you can say, um um, I understand what you're saying and what where you're coming from and maybe there was a mistake you made or something like that, but you can say, uh but I love you, or I understand, or, or some ways did you communicate in love? Did you communicate in um, grace? Did you communicate in some type of, of salvation to to that person? We use it with words. We attack the enemy with the words. We neutralize the words because when you use words, you actually kind of like soften. It's a possibility that you can soften the the actual person who you're talking to heart. You can. So the natural person, the flesh and blood, you can actually soften their heart. And once their heart is softened a little bit in that situation, 
then it allows the Holy Spirit to, to move and, and move on that person, you know, and the Holy Spirit through you or your, or the presence of God through you, you know, can actually touch that person. And it actually, through your words, you render the uh, enemy. You make his weapons useless. Uh, that's that's why it says uh, prayer and supplication with the Spirit and watching, therefore, with the perseverance of supplication with uh, oh, excuse, sorry, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And also verse 16, it says, where with you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So the fiery darts are ways that they are attacking us uh, uh, spiritually. And actually, when I say attacking us, there's some people, they just, they're saying things unintentionally, you know, but there are some people who operate in those realms and I have heard many testimonies of, of people who were former witches or involved in a cult, and they knew a believer because they could see it in the spiritual because they was operating that way. They would actually throw fiery darts at at the person, and, and you might have things happening to you. Things you might it might just be a feeling that you feel or something like that. You just don't know what it is. That right there, you just come at it or attack it against the word of God. Uh, that's why Jesus says that we should be. Um, Wise as serpents and harmless as doves, because a lot of times the enemy and the people who operate on his on his side, they are they are much more wise about the things of the spiritual than us believers and Christians. We're kind of like uh, like a, um, a a kid, you know, walking through through a playground and picking up all the little flowers away as we go, but it's like minefields and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> around us but um thankfully that we have a father who protects us from any of those things but still in the midst of being harmless we still have to be wise you know don't pick up don't pick up the flower or just throw it by the landmine or or follow the bread bread comes to the to the uh which is sounds like Hansel and Greta we have to be wise because our father he tells us to be wise he tells us to watch in verse 18 I mean besides the one that says be wise as serpents, but in verse 18, he says, pray with all supplication in the spirit and watching. So while we're praying, we also need to, to be watching. Um, we also need to be watching. And we know the disorder of the spirit, Paul specifically says here in verse 17, the disorder of the spirit is the uh, word of God. So that means we need to be uh Studying the word, we need to be in the word as much as you can. Um, and a lot of times we get um, into the situation as you've been saying for a while. You'd be like, uh, you know how they say apple a day keeps the dentist away or, or the doctor away. One of those sayings. Well, we some of us believers think, like, well, verse a day keeps the devil away, but he's not going to stay away. And then also, if you just read a verse just so that can happen. That's not it. it it's so you can read the words to be, to be equipped. So <clears throat> a lot of times people are going through these Bible reading plans and like, oh, okay, I read the whole Bible this this year or whatever. That's very noble. You need to keep on doing that. But don't just read the Bible like a story. Don't just read it like a book. It's more than that. It's supposed to be for you to survive during that day because, it's, again, we are in a a spiritual warfare, and then once the enemy sees 
you slack and you're not paying attention, guess what? He's going to take advantage of it. Um, one thing that uh, I was looking at when I was studying the the armor of God um, and the people who were on the front line, and actually one thing that was very interesting to me actually was a lot of, uh, I probably won't have to go through all of them, but uh, there was a list of things that people had on there that soldiers had on them, and a lot of them was similar to what, uh, what we would have as, as far as the Ephesians 6. Um, but also... Uh, Particularly during, I guess, World War Two, and maybe also during World War One, there was a uh, a lot of biological germ warfare going on. And so, what the enemy would do that the access, he would access for the power. I forgot what they were, but they would um, send germs over there. Like I guess they would spray it or something like that, or shoot it over there. And a lot of times they would do it two ways. They would wait for the wind to be blowing a certain direction, and then they would shoot it, and they would let it either, like, kind of like how the wind carries it, so it would kind of, like, slowly drift to you. But what they figured out is they started using, uh, like, the British Americans and some of the other allies, they started using animals and dogs because they got, what, the keen sense of smell. Um, they can smell. They, they're very good is like they can take they, they use them to to detect drugs these days also um I was reading an article they they're trying to find a woman's body in this lake and they sent three different sets of dogs there and they were able to determine that there are some remains in there but they keep on sending scuba divers and all these kind of stuff in there but they can't they're not able to find them but the dogs keep on getting a hit to this area. So what they're going to do is they're going to make a levee, a levee, and somehow lower the water so they can go in there and look a little bit more clearer. But these dogs, they have the keen sense of smell, so they train these dogs during a war. Not these same dogs, but dogs that were similar with the smell. Um, that they would start barking when they smelled a certain thing, and of course, what was kind of uh, unfortunate was that uh, you know um, the dog would be the first one to smell it and then of course he would he was a soldier, you know, it was a troop, you gotta lay down your life. You know, so he died. The dogs not the dogs, you know, died. But they sent warnings. The dogs were able to send warnings to the uh the troops on the front line. Um this the enemy was attacking through that way when they barked and it uh they were able to access their gas masks to help them and those dogs, you know, they don't it's not very well talked about, but the dog saved a lot of people's lives, you know, through uh, on those battles on the front line through the spear, through the um, through through something as simple as barking because they had the keen sense of smell, you know. Um, so then the soldiers they would put on the uh, these gas masks or gas helmets to protect them, and so that's that's uh, one of the, the things that they had on their on this list. They had like. Uh, like protective gear, like camouflage. They had steel helmets because, uh, of course, they said steel helmets would actually save 75% of people's lives, you know. And then uh, also they they put they had like medical medical kits in there and little and little food kits that they would 
have these essential items with them um, as they uh, were on the battlefield and as they were on the battle line because you, they never really knew when the enemy might show up or when he might attack. And you are to never, ever, ever, especially during that situation, even when you're sleeping, you know, never, ever, ever put your guard down. And those same ways, we too have to be sensitive. Like, we don't have, like, any Father God, he's not giving us any spiritual dogs, you know, that we can take <laughs> take around with us and smell like spiritual dogs, and we don't have any anything like that. Well, well, actually, we do. It's not a dog. Dog is something very, very more powerful, you know. Um, it is, or I want—I really don't want to say it, but He is the Holy Spirit, you know. He gives us discernment about what's going on in our situation and in our surrounding, and we need to be keen. We need to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying, what the Holy Spirit is telling us about our surroundings, and even about ourselves. And the only way we can be everything. With the spiritual war always boils down to this this word of God. It's like the most sold book, the most printed book in the world, number one book in the world. A lot of people they keep it in maybe their car under their bed. I don't. It might have a whole lot of dust on it, but that right there is a more powerful than any nuclear bomb, man-made weapon, drum warfare. That thing. I guess that's why. It's so much controversy around it because it's so powerful, you know. So the, the the enemy, he does not want people to have it, but it's around everywhere these days. It's hard to get rid of it. Our Father God, he needs he needs their, the word in people's hands in many different translations. But that word of God is very, very powerful weapon, and it is essential. That's why we should memorize the word of God as it says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that we should meditate on the word of God day and night because we can't always have the Bible with us, you know, so there might be some places where we can't have the Bible with us um, or take us with us there or you might have forgotten it and we have to have scriptures um, in our heart and it also says in uh, John, I believe 15 and 16, he says that the Holy Spirit will bring everything back to remembrance to us, you know, but how can he bring it back to remembrance if we never remembered it? So that right there, when you never remember it, when you never take the word on it, that's like uh, similar to not basically like sometimes we put on the armor of God and then we take it off. So we kind of get relaxed, you know, we'll take off the shield of faith or we'll take we'll put that on the sword of the spirit we get take off our shoes of peace, all these type of things We'll take them off because we kind of get relaxed in our situational circumstance. And even like what's going on now, a lot of believers and Christians, I mean, I'm not sure, but when this thing first started, maybe a lot of people was praying. You know, there's a lot of prayer cover and praying. People was geared up and ready to fight and whatever was going to happen. But now it seems like things are kind of like relaxing as far as like this uh, virus thing is kind of like dying off and which is a good thing, which we want to happen, which we many people was praying to happen. But that same alertness, we cannot give up that alertness. We cannot let that alertness go away. But when we let alertness go away and then when we start focusing on the things of this world again, it could be something as simple as watching cartoons, watching the basketball game, the football game, because all those things to stop, you know. So it's like 
people are kind of forced, like, you're going to watch Netflix or you're going to get in the Word of God or something like that, you know. Hopefully people are choosing the Word of God. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with watching Popeye or the Smurfs. Those are the decisions. Yeah, those are some of the cartoons I watch when I... Well, they got all kind of other things now. I don't know what the cartoon is now. Yu-Gi-Oh! and all that kind of stuff is kind of... Some of it is kind of actually very demonic, you know. That might be a show in itself, but... um. Uh, I was, but I said, I was saying all that to say, uh, we should not be lax. We should not, even though things are seeming like they might be going back to normal, we got to have that same alertness because the enemy is always attacking. He's going to come up with a different way to attack. He's going to come up with a different way now. It might not be as intense. Or it could be even more intense. Um, more than likely, it's going to be things like in your family or finances or things like that, or even in your health, you know. But we have to be alert. And we have to stay on guard. We have to stay in our position. We have to keep on watching over the city, over our neighborhoods, um, and keep on keep on praying. We need to keep on praying against the gun violence that are happening in our communities, the gun violence that's happening in our high schools, um, the drugs and the killing of babies, all these types of things. We have to still continue to be on guard and continue continue to, to pray over. Even we have to be praying over um, our soldiers. You know, we had to pray over our, our soldiers that are overseas, you know, because they also are, are attacking people. They also, the war does not stop during this time because the virus is going. You see what happened on one of the U.S. ships. Um, well, they was out there. They wasn't actually fighting, but they had the coronavirus on the ship. So we had to pray for them. And actually, we should pray. One thing that is interesting is, uh, and this is kind of like a side note about praying, but we need to pray for all people and all nations because I have a friend, um, a Christian friend, very strong believer, and he's uh, Pakistan. He was Pakistan, and uh, he has brothers and cousins that are serving in the uh, Pakistani army, you know. And he says one of them is a Christian and believer, but the thing is, right, right now we're not at war with Pakistan, but just imagine that. Pakistan really is like predominantly like I believe 90% of that country, country is Muslim so it could be a situation where we actually end up attacking it, attacking it. and though most of them are probably Muslim troops but there are going to be you're going to have Muslim like for this is a very very hypothetical you're going to have a Muslim I mean you're going to have the Pakistanis fighting the Americans hypothetical you know I, I hope this doesn't happen but the soldiers are fighting and we have believers, cousins. I have I have cousins and nieces, and nephews, and people like that in the military. They are in the Navy, the Air Force, all types of things, you know. Um, but then they too, which is probably not very many as with it, as many as we have as far as believers. But there still are believers who are fighting. And the crazy thing is, they're fighting against each other. You know, because we're on this natural turf, we're in this natural war. But what we need, the hostile we prayed in, that we prayed, well, of course, I'd still want America to win if they was fighting, you know, but what we need to do is pray for our protection of, of all troops, you know. We do, and 
you want to pray for the protection of those who who don't know Christ too, because maybe they might too come to know Christ after something like that happened. And this is all just hypothetical, you know, um, that I'm saying. I'm, I think I got kind of sidetracked from from uh, the spirit spiritual war, but um, well, not really. But the spiritual war is like it's only two sides. It's only our Father God's side and the darkness side, but in the natural, you have so many sides. It seems like different sides. You have different nations. You have different communities. You have different ethnic groups and all these kind of things, but they all facets. They're not very real. It's, it's, even though it is, it is true that it is black people, it is Native American, it is white people, it is all those type of people. It is different ethnicities within Africa, like different types of um black people are different types of Caucasian people like in Europe or whatever are different type of Asian people. You have the Filipinos, you had the Cambodians, um, you have the Koreans and the, and, the, and the Chinese and all you have these different ethnicities within these different countries and they are very real, very natural. But when you look at the spiritual, it's all only two sides of it. You know, we only have uh, our Father God's side and we have the uh, enemy side of it. And sometimes some of those people groups and some of those ethnicities, we can fall on either side depending on how our relationship is, of course, with our Father God. And that's why we have to be wise as serpents promise as does. And that's why we have to always have on the armor of God. And we can actually take off the armor of God by many things, by not reading the word. Um, is the main thing by by not focusing. And one of the main things today, especially here in America, is we can actually take off the armor of God by by what we are watching, you know. And that's why I mentioned the cartoons and all that kind of stuff earlier. We can we can take off the armor of God by some of the actions we're doing that are not not godly. And when you take off that helmet or you take off that shield and put the, put down those things, guess what? Somebody is watching. And I'm not talking about flesh and blood people. I'm talking about the people in, in, in the uh, spiritual world. And they like, now's our time. They are always watching. They say, okay, we're going to attack this personnel. So we should not take them off. Even one thing I do personally, I, I, I don't do this every night, but I try to do it every night and every morning. As I, I quote, I read that scripture, and I actually put on the armor of God in the morning, and I even, guess what, in my bed, I put it on at night, and, and you don't have to do that, this is just something I'm sharing you, what I'm doing, and, and like, sometimes I even, like, kind of, like, imagine me putting, putting, like, on actual weapons, you know, and I, like, you know how, like, just imagine how you would hold a sword, like, you hold your hand around that, I guess, the, the holder thing, whatever, and how you put, like, on that shield of faith, that's one of the things I don't do this every night, but sometimes I go to bed like that. <laughs> you know, of course, when I wake up, my hand is wide open and all this kind of stuff, and I'm tucked over to the other side of bed. But I try to go to bed like that because the enemy will try to attack you in your dreams and all kind of stuff. He he does not stop. He does not relent. Um, I'm, I'll stop right there. And Dorothy, I think she wanted to say some stuff too about it. Um, if she's on on there, she would say something about that or anything. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand um, how we inadvertently take it off. Um, 
And I think, you know, many people, when they have a, they call it a crisis of faith, they walk away from God. And and they end up with a, they call it a a root of bitterness. They get angry at God because he didn't do something that they thought he should have done, you know, (laughs) which to us sounds kind of strange, but I know quite a few people who have gotten that way. And it just, that puts a separation. I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing to be upset with Father, but, I mean, he's had people upset with him before. He knows how to handle it. But for you, you need to work through that, you know, and acknowledge it and then apologize or repent or whatever term you want to use to get back you know, your own self into that thing. And um, I don't know about you, but I always picture the the sword of the Lord as a broad sword rather than that long, skinny thing. I I think it's called an epe, Mm -hmm. E-P-E-E. But, uh, yeah, there's just, just so many ways we take it off without thinking about it. So you really do need to keep your head on a swivel, like they say, you know, in the military. Ben, did you hear about the story from World War One, where the two sides on Christmas started singing hymns to each other, and they I laid down their weapons? Isn't that a neat story? Yes. Poor, it's- though, why did they pick the weapons back up? Yeah, it's, it's like sometimes we, we we are so natural, carnally minded. It's just it's just horrible, you know. That we have Christians, you know, actually killing each other on these, <laughs> these fields. And it, I'm not saying it happens with every single battle, you know, but there are instances where it does happen, you know. Yeah, because if you're in a war on a battlefield, how are you going to know? You're going to say, wait a minute, are you a believer? You know? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I I notice, um, I don't know why it's bothering me right now that a lot of people take off their armor. Um, Can you think of any other ways we inadvertently take off our armor? Um, you know, let's see. What did we we say through bitterness, and then like like things like anger. Um, when you get angry at somebody, that's that's a way you can take it off, and and then, uh, of course, we said whatever we watch, watch, and um, and then just being. Just being lazy, <laughs> you know, just being being lazy and different things. But uh, um, those, to me, I believe are the main things. Any, anything that's contrary to Christian behavior or being Christ-like, that, those are ways that people take off the, um, they actually take off the armor of God. And a lot of times, you know, we let our guard down. We, we don't know. <laughs> You know, a lot of times, like, one thing that's, that's very common is uh, people going to take off their armor 
and when they, uh, and I'm not saying they're going around chasing people down, but in, in road rage, you know, somebody might get mad because somebody, and this is almost like an anger thing, they'll cut them off, and they might be going off on them in their car, you know, but when you go off, that's like the way that you take off your um, armor. And it's like, oh, that's just, that's just something so small, you know, right there. But you know what? The enemy, he doesn't care. He don't play fair. Anything, anything small, any, any way, anything he can do, to uh, to have you defenseless, where he can destroy you, he's all game for it. He doesn't he doesn't stop, you know. Um, so I would say the main thing is is that people do that here is the media because the media, like the movies you watch and all those type of things, they can give you all ways to take like it, especially like if you're watching the news, mainstream media, you can go into fear. Fear is a way that you can take off your armor of God, you're supposed to have faith. It says, but it says perfect love, you know, cast out all fear. But if you if you watch, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned about the things that are happening, but uh, Jesus says when you see these things, don't, basically don't be surprised. So it's like you ever go into a surprise party and you already know it's a surprise, you know, you know, you're not like it's different if you go into a surprise party and then, and you already know and you try to be act like act like you surprised but you already knew that everybody was in a dark waiting for you. And then it's people who are actually surprised and they like oh, oh man, it's like a it's like a different feeling, you know, so we shouldn't be going to it like it should have like for some people it's gonna be a surprise party that these things are happening, but for us believers it should not be a surprise. We should be like, oh, okay, yeah, I already know, and not that we don't care that it's going to happen or not that we are acting nonchalant, but we shouldn't be fearful either because not, not caring also, not caring about the situation is also a way that the enemy can come in, you know, because we're supposed to be watching it. We're supposed to be on our guard, and if we don't care what's going to happen or who's coming in, guess what? He's going to be like, oh, okay, that he don't care, so I'm going to come in and, and tear up some light poles or tear down these gates or take off these screws off this door. You know, and I'm not saying he's doing doing that uh, naturally, but supernaturally, you know. So, yeah, and, and also I think when we things. see these, yeah, yeah. When we see these things happening that are causing the people around us to be fearful, um, we're supposed to be praying against these hooligans and their bad behaviors. I mean, yes, pray against the virus, but also pray against the fear-mongering. I mean, when I was in the nursing home, you could feel the fear, mostly among the staff, you know, and, and it was really upsetting um, to see that much fear. There's a difference between being cautious, like I had one nurse who, oh, she might have had the baby already, but she was pregnant. But, you know, being cautious and taking precautions, afraid and reacting, because when you're afraid, you can make really bad decisions. And I've never seen anyone make a decision when they were fearful that turned out any good, you know? So, so that's it was very there are a lot of distressing things in the nursing home, but uh 
fact that they feed elder people, elderly people processed foods and a high carbohydrate diet, and then shoot them up with insulin to keep their blood sugar levels down. It makes you scratch your head, you know, like yeah. this makes sense it's how, backwards. you know, but yeah. Um, I do want to fight against that if I can, if I have time after the fear demic is over. Oh, but, yeah, um, yeah. Because that's just not right. You can buy real protein for what they're paying for those processed foods. You know, just if you shop properly. And then if you don't always follow box directions, it might actually taste good, you know. But anyway, that's off the topic. Yeah. So, just I just remember remembering the amount of fear in there was just. I mean, they got to the point where they were confining patients to their rooms. I mean, these are locked wards, you know. Basically, after the governor put us on lockdown, we couldn't have visitors, couldn't have food delivered. So we were just in there, you know, our biggest excitement of the day was being able to walk down the hall. (laughs) And then they stopped that. So, and that's from fear. Those decisions from our government were from fear. And I tried to explain to Harold the other day that, you know, when, when we walked in, I had to go to an appointment. And there's like almost nobody there. And they're, the guy there's a security guard at the door and he's trying to tell Harold, you can't come in. Who's the patient? No, you can't come in. And I'm looking at him, you know, of course I'm standing and walking. So I'm a little out of breath, a little straining a little bit. I'm going, what? You know, just no, you know, if he doesn't go in, I don't come. He's my caretaker. You don't send the caretaker off. You know, you just don't. And then you get in, they want to put that hand sanitizer on you that has toxic chemicals in it. So next time I'm bringing my own rubbing alcohol. And then they want to test your fever. Now, as far as they have been able to ascertain, the people are contagious when they're asymptomatic. So what good does it do to check for symptoms? Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not logical. So fear, it said Harold, the whole country is operating out of fear right now. So yeah. just try and calm them down. You know, some of them you can't calm down, but try anyway, you know. But it's amazing. I think someone said there's more people dying of the fear than the virus. I heard, I did hear something like that. I did hear something like that. It's fear of people, yeah, it's so bad, you know. And I think that's scriptural too. People dying of fear, men dying of fear for what is coming upon the earth. I mean, I know that's at the end, but I think it also would pertain to now, right? Oh, yes, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, 
That is so true. Well, that is all that I have for this for this evening. Um, I like to thank Dorothy. Thank you for having me, and thank everyone for listening and tuning in. And I will close out in a prayer, and um, then we will be. I'm gonna do another one. We're gonna do another one next week. If that's okay. If that's okay. We can do another one. Okay. I'm I'm not sure which is gonna be yet, but I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. That's, that helps it helps you know that helps you know because then doing this podcast actually is a way that I can keep my armor of God on because I know I have to do something next week, so that's a, a good way to do it. So that's a for those of you out there listening who need to know how to use technology or or know how to, how to use technology, that's a way you can be teaching people you know with this technology that also. It's a way that uh, you can keep on the armor of God without taking it off, you know. So, but even if you don't do like a technology type podcast, it's good for yourself, you know, just for yourself. But, um, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, grace, and mercy. Um, we pray for your protection, Father, for the uh, doctors and nurses in the hospital, Father Lord, um, and all not just them, but the people who work in there. The, the cleaners, Father Lord, just the staff, the administrative people, direct our legislators, oh God, Lord, how to deal with this situation, Father. Um, just help your people during this time throughout the nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jameer. Yes. yes. That was well, thank good. you. I hope it answered people's yeah. questions because they're always being told to put it on. Well, how come I have to keep putting it on if I never take it all off? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that was good. Well, thank you. Thank you for that one. So you have a blessed evening, and I will see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Father bless.